Taco for Buckets is brought to you by Casa Law. Whether your family is navigating a moment of crisis or you're facing criminal charges, they know what you're going through and they're ready to help. They know your love for gopher, for your gopher basketball team. So if you're looking for an attorney that will fight for you for parenting time on a game day, look no further. If you've gone so hard at a tailgate that you start speaking Spanish, this bilingual team is ready to answer your call. Casa Law is proudly women-owned. To set up a free consultation, go to casolaw.com slash contact. That is C-A-S-O-Law.com. Get in touch today. I'm always ready, Luke. <laughs> All right, and welcome to another episode of Talk Gopher Buckets. I'm Luke Buer. And I am Ryan James, who just hollered at Luke that I'm always ready. <laughs> and Ryan yeah. is absolutely always ready. Um, all right, so Ryan, uh, this Gopher basketball team, it's not been great, Bob. Um, I don't think that was any surprise uh, to either of us, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, we, we did we did finally see a Big Ten win against Ohio State, most recently lost to Michigan in a, in a tightly contested battle, and then absolutely got blown out, um, although the scoreboard may not figure how bad the blow it was against Purdue so what do we make Ryan of these last few games especially here early in Big Ten where the Gophers just you know really have struggled to find a way wow that's a loaded question I think we need to take lots of pieces to it and the first piece we're going to start with the fact that you said Bob and I'm trying to figure out who Bob is <laughs> like Bob Barker Bob Knight who, who is your Bob when you say not great, Bob. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it's just kind of a coin saying. It uh, it just just as to say, like it's not good, guys. Um, <laughs> not finding not finding the waves, man, or not finding the winds, man. Oh, I, 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 that's good. That's good. Um, I, I'm sure you know I'm driving right now, but I, I wanted to point something out before we get into this talk into talking here. Like I was reading the. I've never done this before. I went out on the. Uh, on the podcast, like the podcast reviews. Oh yeah, Ooh, sure. We've got good reviews, although most of them are like eight years ago and stuff. Yeah. We got good reviews. Now the bad reviews are like, why can't you guys do this more? <laughs> <laughs> Which is fair. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a fair, that's a fair, like knock us down. These guys don't do this enough. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, that's why I'm doing it in my car after I left. Minneapolis, well, South, if, Minneapolis Southwest. If people have been listening since we started back when we started doing this back in like 2010, 2011, we did a lot of these when you would drive, right? Um, oh, yeah. You, you would be driving. I, like, almost, yeah. Yeah. I almost hit a woman one yeah. time. <laughs> like, I, I was driving around Lake of the Isles. And I remember like, oh, God, that person's dressed in black. They just ran across the street. What the hell? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so in, in general, though, like, like I was saying, the, you know, it's frustrating, right? It's it's not fun to lose. Yeah. It's not fun to lose in back-to-back seasons. Um, the reality is, like, I think some of the expectations that we had coming in, you know, you thought you could rely on Jamison Battle, right? Like, that hasn't happened. You know, he came he came and ended up being injured. He, he's really struggled since coming back. Um, you know, shooting, I mean, you could argue that, like, just 
just feel for the game has been a bit off too. Like his his shot selection has been seemingly forced a lot um and it, and it hasn't translated into you know the expectations we might have had for a guy of his caliber right yeah it's been tough i mean for Jamison, it's been tough for the whole crew and it, it, i think the best way to go about this is I, this program has been down for so long like i, I still i'm going to go back to dan munson's first year is when it really started going down and i guess you could say the academic scandal but I, at the same time, I felt like Dan Munson had the talent to move it forward, and they just didn't. And then it just kind of dove down from there. It's been down for so long. I kind of have felt like it needed – I don't know if I wanted to say gutted to the point where you're at the bottom for two years in a row. But I feel like it had to, – to, for this program, it needs a culture change. And I think you have to do that. There's no – like we've seen guys try to quick fix around here, and it just doesn't do it. It, it may be do it may do it for like a temporary period, but over the long haul, it doesn't do it. Like I think you have to like let the thing grow, and and I I like the way Ben Johnson's going about it. Like for the most part, the way they're recruiting, for the worst most part, what they've tried to run, for the most really for defensively, I like what they're trying to do. They just don't have the horses, and like like so the next piece is like they've got a two deep going forward that's really strong at all four spots at four spots but they have the point guard piece hasn't been there right and like and that and without that it's just kind of been a you know it, it sets them behind the eight ball and then the injuries set them back again and then it's just like well crud now you're limited you're young you're limited in what you have in certain ways and you're limited in depth and it's just like it's an uphill climb and and then like people and there's just so many domino effects that go off of that you know, like if somebody's in foul trouble, they're screwed. If, you know, if, if there's only so many guys that can create a shot when they have problems. And, and I'm going to get to what you said about Jameis in a second because it branches off of that. But there's just so many pieces. And, and the fans, like, I get their frustration. You know, like, I get it, you know. And, it, and we don't, and there's no telling if Ben Johnson will take this to the next level. Because after he gets all the pieces, after he gets the point guards, do, are they going to be able to climb from the bottom to where they need to be? You know, and like, but for that to happen, they have to have depth and they have to have the right level of athletes in this program. And I don't know that they've had that recently either. So to, to get, bring all that together, to grab that whole full bowl of chili, I just threw all the different yeah. ingredients in there for, and to talk about Jamison, I think Jamison is feeling the pressure of, you know, what his pro career could be. You know, he had these huge expectations put on him and he gets hurt to start the year and he comes back and like, the type of shot he's getting right now is a little different. You can, there's lots of reasons for that. There's the fact that a more athletic defender is on them. That him last year, it was that guy was usually on EJ Stevens. Now the more athletic defender is on Jamison battle. It doesn't matter if he's playing the three or the four, that more athletic defender would be still on him. If he was at the four, because the threes Minnesota would put on the floor, then are Henley and Ola Joseph. Well, like, the teams are going to put their better defender on Jamison battle. Yeah. So you have the better defender. You have like the pressure of, you know, this is a big year for his, like his professional future. And then the confidence, well, it didn't start out so great. And the confidence just has not come around enough. And even when it does, it's, it just seems like good things go good. And then all of a sudden, dang it, something bad happens. And my best examples there are, I think it was the Illinois game. Where they were doing, they were really, they were doing really well. Jameis had made a few shots. And then he pulled like from, 
with 27 seconds on the shot clock, he pulled like an NBA three in transition. And sure, it could have been huge, but Minnesota just isn't making those this year. And then and Illinois went on a big run after that. And then, you know, this last game at, at uh, where the heck were they? <laughs> they were Michigan. at uh, Michigan. Like, he made like three shots in a row, and it was looking good. And then, dang it, if he didn't miss a few down the, uh, down the, uh, down the stretch. But just, and the confidence is just, you can see in his face, confidence isn't there. And it makes matters worse. Like, the, like the gopher, the gopher wrote fan base rotating blame game like now you know they, for a while they were blaming ben and for a while they're they were blaming you know like will ramberg and for a while they were blamed now it's all pointing at jameson you know dawson got some blame and now the freshman got some blame and now jameson is getting all the blame and people want him benched and it's like come on guys yeah who, 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 who are you gonna put in place for him come yeah. on it, it, it's yeah i think yeah it, it's tough I think the thing, like, if you look at this kind of objectively, like, where does it break down for the Gophers? Um, the reality is, like we talked about last time, the guard play was just better last year. And no, last year wasn't a great team, but Peyton Willis is just, he's just, he's just a better player than Talon Cooper or, you know, like really, and he's, he's a better player than Samuels. He's just, he's just better all around. You know, he, he shoots it better. He, and this is going to sound crazy. So don't, don't scream at me ryan he defends better right like he he def- he absolutely can defend better um he was by far their most efficient uh offensive player last year right um he was yeah. their best shooter last year like that that was a drastic loss and in hindsight you know you you thought the battle was going to take a step but th- the fact is there were better shooters around battle last year ej stevens Luke Lowy, you know, they weren't phenomenal, even, you know, even, uh, they weren't phenomenal, but you know, they were, they're all above, you know, 33% when it comes to, um, three point shooting. So, you you know, you can't space the floor like you maybe could last year. Um, this year, this team, Ryan, it's, it's not a great shooting team. Um, they, they, they just aren't, um, like outside of Talon Cooper, who's shot the ball well from three so far, there's nobody shooting the ball well from three. Dawson Garcia is your next best three point shooter. Um, which, you know, he's a, he's a competent three point shooter, but that's not, that's not going to be his game. Um, he's by far your best offensive option, but he's not spacing the floor, which frankly, that's probably what Jamison battle needs. Um, and if, if you look, if you look at his offensive rating, he's the third worst offensive rated player on the team right now. Now I'm not trying to make excuses for him or anything, but some of that is the kinds of players around him. Some of that's the action they're running. Some of that's the spacing. The end of the day, I think again, it boils down to guard play period. Um, they just don't have, they don't have the guard play. And if, and if we're honest, that's been their biggest miss in recruiting thus far, they have recruited, well, I like where they're going recruiting, but if it's going to go forward, if it's going to improve, they have to improve at the guard position. Yeah, and, and you can look at your four guards and what you had hoped for to start the season and what the result is. You know, you start with Talon Cooper. Now, Talon Cooper is a really good passer, and he's a, and he's turned out to be a hell of a shooter. The problem is he can't, you know, he can't bring the ball up the floor enough and get the offense going because teams pressure him high and he has a hard time making the first entry pass where it needs to be. So the offense gets started. So you, there's problem one, the guy you brought in, that's going to be your main point guard. Like he, he's doing things well, but it's not what we thought. You know, it's not the role that was kind of expected from him. 
So the down, so then you have a domino effect that Tor Samuels, whose job was supposed to just be like play eight minutes a game, backing up that point guard. Now he has to step in that main role because he's the only guy on the team that has some quickness to guard the other team's point, quick point guard. And he's the only guy on the team that can bring the ball up the floor and make that first pass um, that, that they need to start the offense. Now, sometimes Cooper, of course, can in transition when teams are playing zone, when teams have a slower guard, then you got Yuki Cooper could do that more. But when it's a quicker guard, Samuels has to do it. So now you have so Cooper, a little bit different player than expected. Samuels has to play more than expected. Then you go to Braden Carrington. Braden Carrington, well, you wanted him to be a shooter. Well, he hasn't shot the ball that well. And then he's missed. He started the season and injured, and now he's injured again. So you got that problem. Then you have Jaden Henley, who I originally expected to just come off the bench, play 14 minutes. Well, he started the year, probably wasn't ready for it. You know, he's got there's a lot of potential there, but he needs seasoning. And, you know, like, he's just not quite ready for a big role. And I don't know if they thought he was or not. I didn't, looking at his film, I didn't expect that he was going to have that big of a role this year, ready for it. So kind of like all those four pieces are just in different spots than I think that was envisioned. And that right there is where things, you know, are a struggle. And then it just, you know, it just compounds. So if you don't have quite the guard play, that means the rest of the team's probably not getting all the uh, the, the right the, the type of shot they need. Well, that doesn't hate hurt James. That doesn't help Jameson battle the injuries. Now, obviously, Isaiah Enan and Parker Fox were not going to really step into that guard play in terms of you know help the guard rotation, but they would have made the team deeper. There were there are other situations where they would have helped, where they would have had more experience on the floor. And Luke. The turnovers on this team. It's, my God. Yeah, that was my next point. It's 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 actually mind-numbingly frustrating. The, the number of them that are just like you shake your head at Ryan, um, and it's 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 absolutely absurd. Uh, and you know it it start you know I don't think that Talon Cooper having the turnovers he had is a huge surprise just because of how much he's going to handle the yeah. ball. But I mean, Jaden Henley, Pharrell Payne, they're both just like. Real, they turn the ball over way too much, um, absolutely way too much. Um, you yes. know, and and there are there are situational turnovers as well. Josh Joshua Joseph turns the ball over a lot. You know, some of these are freshmen, but like in terms of like ball security, like arguably Braden Carrington is your best ball security guy, um, and he's not been phenomenal either, right? Like no, none of no one really has, frankly speaking. Um, but in the end, like the turnovers absolutely kills them. That, I mean, you you can make the argument in the in the Michigan game that yes, you know Garcia going out was a huge problem. Yes, in terms of flow and offensive execution, but really in the end there, it was a lot of turnovers um, that really hurt them as well. They didn't even get good shots, and, and, and there's uncomfortability with that too, but yeah, it's the turnovers, man. Like That is another huge issue, and it, that kind of comes back to guard play in terms of how they're running and they're not able to space the floor. Yes, but, I, you know, but I, it also comes back to youth mistakes because, yeah, well, youth mistakes and the fact that we are, Minnesota is getting more offensive foul calls than I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, like between odd freaking shoulders in the guys and, and then, and by the way, we need to touch on that. That, that. that is something that's pissing me off is the way the refs are, are calling the, the first contact in the post. But we'll get to that later. But like back to the turnovers, Cooper is leading his team in turnovers, but he's going to do that. Like he, 
his turnovers don't bother me because he's going to have some. Yeah. He hasn't had that many bad ones. That's fine. Um, and Garcia has the ball a lot. Like the seven turnovers against Michigan, far too many, yes. way too many. And But then he also gets – like he's been called for offensive fouls this year that are absolutely absurd that other bigs are not called for, and I don't get it. I don't know what he did to piss referees off, but Garcia is just not getting the benefit of the whistle in any way, shape, or form. Uh, he's, he's probably getting the least benefit of the whistle that I've seen in, of any good player in a long time. But like back to, but then after those two, it's Ola Joseph, it's Henley, and it's Pharrell Payne, and it's a lot of Pharrell Payne. Like Pharrell just has way too many freaking turnovers in yeah. all types of ways. And the worst part about it, these turnovers, they don't, they, they seem to come at just the absolute worst, worst time. time. Yes, they they can't build any momentum because they'll they'll get a charge call or they'll they'll drop the ball or they'll step out of bounds or they'll they'll dribble twice. And in Big Ten, you you don't have time. To, to dribble and slowly dribble twice. There's so many turnovers. And Luke, like, there's games where they 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 give up too many offensive rebounds. Other games they don't. There's games where they shoot okay. Other games they don't. There's there's different issues. There's I mean their free throw percentage is brutal. But there are some games where they do shoot it shoot it okay because they're like Dawson Garcia is on the line and when he's on the line they shoot it okay. But turnovers turnovers is a problem every friggin' game for this team. Every game, they're in the 15-16 area um, in terms of, like, the Big Ten games, it seems. And definitely the last last several games. And that is an absolute killer. And a lot of that is freshmen, which comes down to youth mistakes. And, by the way, for every turnover you ha- you see listed for those freshmen, they've also made the same type of defensive errors on the other end. Yeah. And so you got errors on both ends, and it's tough with all those freshman mistakes. But – that's part of rebuilding the freshman playing, and that experience will pay off on the line. Yeah, no, I, anyway. I agree with that. And the, and the other thing that we have to look at, and, and you kind of touched on this already, is we're, we are seeing defensive improvements as the season has gone on, right? You're playing better. You're playing um, better competition. I'm not saying that they are they don't lack mental mistakes, but they are playing better defense. And at times, you can see the execution on offense, right? Um, the problem is they have too many lapses or too many turnovers intermixed, right? But I, I do feel like they're slowly getting better to a certain extent. Um, their tra- their trajectory is, is not as downward. They're just not consistent. Like last year's team, the trajectory was downward all season, right? They played about as well as you could at the beginning of the year. And it, it the the it just it started to go down, like as the game went as the year went on, like their ability to execute. Teams kind of figured out how to play them. This this year, I feel like this team is actually improving slowly, and you would expect that with the youth that they have, where they were very senior laden last year. Um, but at the end of the day, I do think I do like what they're doing defensively, and I do like that we're seeing them improve their physicality. Um, they're still getting beat on the boards, but they, you know they're they are improving, Ryan. Yeah, they are improving. There's a lot of things that are improving. The rebounding has definitely gotten better. Um, it's, as, it's not as big of an issue as it was at the start of the season. Offensively, their possessions are getting a lot better. So what they're doing, ever since they put Torres Samuels in the starting lineup, it, it, the offense has looked better. Now, if you're, like, with Samuels playing a lot, like he's limited in what he can do offensively in terms of you know, shot making and shot creating. At the same time with him on the floor, they do run better stuff, and they do get some more consistent shots. Is there as many as they sh- as they need? No, because this is the Big Ten, and they still lack the full amount of talent that they need to get an experience. They lack enough experience and enough talent 
to get what they would need consistently in the Big Ten, but it is getting better. Um, Luke, there's one thing you just said, and I really want to jump on it a little bit, senior-wise, or excuse me, last year's experience. Isaiah Enan and Parker Fox, if they were healthy last year, they would have helped last year's team a lot more than they would have helped yeah. this year's team. Yes. And I say that because last year's team, if those two bigger bodies are on the floor and that team has depth and that team has those two, they're winning Big Ten basketball games way more. Like those two are probably worth at least two wins each in depth and experience and talent with last year's team. Like they win at least four more games with them last year or maybe, and maybe more. This year, like they have, like this year, Pharrell Payne, Dawson Garcia, Battle, and, and Train Thompson, even though he hasn't played much lately, they are really good in ball screen defense. They are really good in that way. Now, are they elite rebounders? Not as much. You know, Parker would have helped them. A healthy Parker Fox helps this team rebound better. But at the same time, like, I think Isaiah and Parker would have helped last year's team way, like, a ton. Yes. They would help this year's team? Yes. We would, they would have been on the floor more and there'd be less mistakes. That said, man, could they have helped last year's team more? But that's just something I just thought of for the first time. For the first time, yeah. Well, no, I needed to. Do, I needed to do that. Out there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that take. Like they would have helped that team a lot because that team really lacked depth. I mean, Eric Curry was really limited in what he was able to like just physically put out. Right. Um. In in limited minutes, he he had he had some flash and flashes in his defense. It was decent and had some you know savvy vet to him. Um, just imagine if he hadn't come back, you know, miraculously at the end there, there would have been even more of a world of hurt. Um, but yeah. th this team defensively, w when I look at this team, it it's obvious they kind of lack a rim protector, right? Well, that's coming next year, right? Um, they're, oh, yeah. They're going to they're gonna get a rim protector, and that's going to mask some of this really poor guard defense. Um, that said, it's not yeah. going to be perfect. Um, it's just going to mask it, right? Um, but well, go ahead. I was say Dennis Evans is going to give something similar to Joel Prisbella's first year and fans that are looking at the five-star talent and thinking he's going to average 18 and 12. You guys got to get your heads right. Like you cannot expect Dennis Evans to come in and average more in college than he's averaging in high school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, for I sure. mean, but some people, some people don't get that. Dennis is probably going to score three or four baskets a game, grab six, seven rebounds next year. But what he's going to do is block a couple shots a game and change the way people attack the rim. What? And that's going to be huge. And yes. Luke, like we've talked about the guard defense. One thing that they that are, are like one thing that is not consistent enough from those 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 veteran guards, you see sometimes Pharrell is confused on what to do on a ball screen. Yes. He's relying on those guards to talk to him. They're not. Like they're not talking like like I don't there's too many times where Cooper and Payne are on a ball screen and Pharrell like doesn't know, you know, do I stay? Do I do I do I hedge and go? Do I, you know, he doesn't seem to know sometimes when to go. That's the communication from the other guy that he has to rely on for that. And sometimes that's it. And transition defense sometimes. It just it blows me away how slow some of our guards get back in transition D. And that hurts at times too. But for the most part, I'll tell you also, I want to say this. Like Cooper and Samuels, like Samuels, I feel like he's just moving better than yes. he was a month ago. And yes. like his defense has been pretty good. Cooper's defense has has been, I, he's been in better positions. He's putting in more effort. He's been more invested in that in the last few games. And all this stuff that we have just thrown out there, because me and you have been storing in our heads as watching these games, we're just all throwing it at the fans right now. 
Yeah. But like we've thrown so many issues out there right now. Luke, all those issues are going to be issues that probably at the end of the year. Do I think the Gophers are going to win some more games? Yes, I do. But can I? Can the fans expect some miracle run? No. No, you cannot. No. Because all those issues we just said are always going to be there. It just takes like a – it's going to take like the right situations to get, you know, their four wins of whatever they're going to get. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think – you know they currently what they're currently one and se- or yeah they're one and seven in Big Ten play. I think reasonably two more wins is likely. I think anything above that would be gravy, right? Um, and now I'm not going to try to go through who that's going to be, um, but I think yeah, that's, it's it's impossible. Like I, if you would have told me before the season they were going to beat Ohio State or before Big Ten play they're going to beat Ohio State, I was like, no way, man, they're going to beat Nebraska, and they they couldn't quite pull that off, right? Um, it's it's hard it's hard to pick those, um, but in the end, I, one thing, one comment I wanted to make is, you know, you, you you said about Dennis Evans the fact that you know he may not come in and score a bunch or even get a ton of boards, but he's going to impact the way people attack the rim. I'm not. I'm not saying he's going to be like. He's not going to be like the Purdue center, right? In terms of that kind of rim protection and, and fear, but he's going to do something similar where people are going to second guess and think. And that that yeah. is something you is really hard to quantify, and it's really hard to know what kind of impact that's going to make. But it's it is going to help, and it's really going to help if you have guards that still struggle with blowbys, right? Like at the end of the day. Talon Cooper and, and Tara Samuel still struggle because in large part they can't stay in front of people. Um, so yes, I am I am curious to see how they're gonna how it's gonna change next year, but that's important. And then additionally, like you hope that when Christie comes in and you hope you get a healthy Braden Carrington, you'll be able to space the floor. I mean, Ryan, frankly speaking, the when I've enjoyed watching this team on offense most is when Braden Carrington's in there for Taurus Samuels, right? And then they have Pharrell Payne in there as well um, with Dawson Garcia and uh, with Dawson Garcia and um, and Jamison Battle. That's often when I felt like they're maybe at their best offensively um, and, and maybe even defensively too. But the reality is like they've dealt with the injuries. The, that's still not the perfect lineup, right? Um, they're, they're still not void of defects there as well, but that's probably the best lineup they throw out in the season at times. Yeah, I, I, to a degree, but their offense, like for that lineup even to work, you can't, it's got to be against a team that doesn't pressure the ball high. Yes, for and sure. If somebody, pressure, if somebody pressures the ball high, then that's not going to work either. It, it's, it's tough. Like, but I mean, you got to think of how the defense can change next year because Dawson Garcia has been an excellent defender, and if 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 you're reading other media members that say he's not, they're they don't they're know wrong. what they're talking about. No, they're absolutely clueless. Yeah. Like Dawson, the problem that Dawson does have is he's 235 pounds. He's not really a five, right? But like he does wall up well, and he's fantastic in help and reco- recovery. He's fantastic for the most part in ball screen defense. But like in the future, when Pharrell Payne knows how to absorb the, the, the first contact in the post when he knows where to, where to fight off his guy, when he knows how to wall up, when he's more comfortable with everything around the basket and him and Dennis are the, are the fives. They are not going to be able to be beat up around the basket kids consistently as they are against some of these dude, Derek Walker, Zach Eady, mm-hmm. Zach, uh, um, Zed key, uh, Hunter Dickinson. Like it's just, it's over and over and over. 
that stuff is not going to like. First of all, some of those guys aren't going to be around anymore. Yes. and there's just there's no more Hunter Dickinson and Zach Eadies coming into the Big Ten. By the way, in, in in the near future, so you don't have to worry about that. It's going to be not as big in, in the, like the Kofi Coburns, the uh, all of that. We're starting to lose some of these monsters that are dominating in the post in the next few years. So you got that. You have they're going to be better in the post. But the biggest thing. I, the, the biggest thing is the Gophers have to get a transfer point guard yes. who can pressure the ball and has speed. I mean, I don't give a. I mean, if it if they don't get exactly what they want, calls one of those dudes from DePaul. Call that dude from the MAC who is just bursting through things. Like have him play some minutes just to get some damn speed on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like they need some type of speed, and that has to come. They have to be able to pressure the ball defensively, and they have to have a guy with some speed on their team. I'm not going to say transfer names that re- or I just made some up from teams they played, but like, I- I'm not going to say real transfer names. Cause that's unfair to the kids, but right. like they just, ha- they have to have somebody to, to do that on the ball. And then they have, they're going to have a size on the backside to defend in the future. And those are the promising things. Oh, and oh, by the way, Parker Fox's activity, if he can move at 80% of the way he used to move, his activity will also help that defense. Yeah, for sure. And and two, when you're talking about a transfer point guard, because they need to get one, there's just no question they have to get one. Um, that and Luke, Luke, something I want to throw on that. I'm sorry for interrupting you again. You're fine. But like, you know, they were always had to get a transfer point guard. Yes, it's just it. The, before they had to just get someone to probably back up Cooper. Now they need one to to be the main ball handler. And then Cooper handles also, and then Cooper plays the two. Yes. Changed what they need. What they need has changed for the point guard. They always needed to get one in the spring, but the type they have to get in the spring is different now. Yeah, for sure. And and, and as important as ball pressure on defense is being able to initiate offense with pace, right? Um, because too often uh, they're, they're kind of starting to get into their offense, and our 30-second shot clock has gone down to like uh, 16, um, right. Yes. They, yes. that's part of, they got to play space and this is a team that doesn't push the ball. Right. And I'm not saying that they have to push the ball consistently. They don't have to be Iowa. Right. But they have to be able to push the ball a little bit more, um, next year and take advantage of opportunities, but they need a point guard that can do that. And that is just not Talon Cooper. No. And, but I'll tell you, like he, Talon is better in situations where they board and go or get a turnover and go. Because it's harder, it's it's easier for them to run something then, and and that is when he like Cooper could be the one when they're against the zone when they are playing a like a like a the dude from Nebraska their point guard like he can't get up and pressure nobody yeah um but like some guys like that they go or in transition he can be the one but when it's a dead ball and you're playing a quick point guard you have to have Samuels out there and next year they need something better than that because as this was never the role that Samuels was expected to play. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's talk a little recruiting then. Um, I mean, we've talked. I think we've talked enough. Christie and Dennis Evans. We we know what they're likely to bring. Um, but let's look. You know, you mentioned the transfer point guard kind of situation. That's something that we should all be looking for. That nothing nothing's going to come of that until obviously in in the spring sometime. Um, but that's something that you'll be covering at Gopher Illustrated. Um, but uh, high school recruiting, that's definitely something we can talk about. That's something they're actively in on right now. Um, so, yeah, give us give us kind of just an update on on recruiting. And if people want to get more depth, they can obviously check out your work at Gopher Illustrated. Yes, they can. Um, Lucas starts with numbers. So, like, technically right now next year, they have 14 scholarships for 13 guys if you include Will Ramberg. Okay? Well, there's a lot, there's so many factors here. They're not, 
going to have 14. You know what I mean? Like, they're just, they're just not. So, like, they're going, so obviously Taurus Samuels is going to graduate. So that, mm-hmm. you know, there's, that's, but one of those spots will be filled by, you know, one of the incoming freshmen. And then somebody will probably transfer out. No, someone always will, transfers, right? We've, we've been yeah, doing this somebody, long enough. All, someone yeah. always transfers. And for that, that, then when that happens, that gets you to 13. But there's just, there's too many situations that are out there. You know what I mean? Who's going to transfer out? Who's going to surprise transfer out? Who might want to go play professionally? Um, like who wants to go leave professionally? Who doesn't want to play anymore? Uh, like yep. you just don't know who's going to leave and for what reason. I mean, we also don't know the situations of who, where people are with their degrees. Like mm-hmm. you might have a guy who has his degree, who has a scholarship, who just wants to go somewhere else and play somewhere else. And that opens up. The bottom line here is I guarantee you at least two guys are probably not going to be back on this team. And that opens up one scholarship for a, for a, a spring transfer. Let's say they lose three guys for various reasons. Well, I'll bet you they go get that, that spring transfer point guard and then another veteran, you know, depending on what they will need. Okay, so I fully expect there was going to be, like, there's going to be probably two guys at least. They just, and that, and that could be, that, that's the full roster. That's everybody from Will Ramberg up to, you know, Jamison Battle, Dawson Garcia, something. Like, somebody's going to leave. Like some two guys, at least two guys are going to leave, and a scholarship will open for that point guard. If three guys leave, then you can go get two more guys this, this, this spring. So know that. Expect some – there will be spring recruiting at least for a point guard, if not for another guy. But then the numbers open up. There's open numbers up for 2024. Well, target A is without a doubt Isaac Azuma. And Isaac Azuma has been recruited by a lot of good different teams. There's talked about an Xavier visit. It's talked about an Iowa State visit that was, is, was, is, was, is, was, is, was, is, was. When will we get the official word on that? It was going to be to Kansas, but they just got a the Kansas-Iowa State game. They just got a commitment. Look, it's looking more and more like Iowa State's going to slide out of that recruitment if they haven't officially done it already. And then Isaac, who just was at the game against Illinois on Monday, is going to take his official visit in February. Minnesota is a. If you've been reading Gopher Illustrated, you are fully aware that the Gophers are a big favorite for Isaac right now. And then, like, we've talked about the other two guys to keep an eye on uh, for the forward spot. That's Grayson Grove in Alexandria, who's off to an incredible start. Like, he outplayed Bowden Kapke and Cullen Mulholland, D1 signed players when Alexandria uh, beat Holy Family over Christmas. Fantastic performance. Grayson Grove outplayed Jalen Wilson. At in early in the season, Alexandria beat Vanille. Jalen's the number one prospect and player in the sophomore class. Grayson outplayed him as well. Keep your eyes on Grayson Grove. You know, he's been on campus a few times. The, I, it's expected that Gophers are going to go watch him so, soon. Keep an eye on Grayson Grove. He's the top five prospect in that class. And, and, and when it comes to my rankings for prep hoops in Minnesota, and he's probably the next guy who's going to start getting high major stuff. I would, and then the other guy that has interest in Minnesota, because Isaac and Grayson have big interest in Minnesota, is Jonathan McKinnon at Eastview, who head to head has had he's leading Eastview in scoring this year. He's a big, you know, interest. His big interest in Minnesota. He's been on campus one or two times in the past, you know, in the past half year. He's another guy. I think Grayson's probably the bigger name to watch, 
But Jonathan is too. His game is growing rapidly. He went head-to-head with Jackson McAndrews and Wyzetta, and he got the win and outplayed Jackson. And that's a big deal because Jackson and McAndrews, when you talk about prospects five years down the road, nobody in the Minnesota junior class has the ceiling that Jackson does as a six-foot-11 sharpshooting, beautiful jumper Wyzetta guy with range. And and right now, McKinnon outplayed him. So I would keep your eyes peeled on those three names, all Minnesota kids, all high major level talents, Jonathan McKinnon, uh, Grayson Grove, and Isaac Azuma. Keep your eyes on them, especially Azuma and Grove, because I can foresee some uh, some big things happening there. Ben Johnson and Dave Thorson, they have really gotten into the state. They've made an impact with the families. We've seen that with the two, you know, with some of the transfers. We saw that with the class of Payne, Carrington, and Ola Joseph. And I think there's a really good chance that you're going to see in the 2024 class. All right. So that obviously, you know, for more like specifics and whatnot, people can obviously follow your work at Gopher Illustrated. It's phenomenal. And if they like football, they can always check out your buddy, Ryan Burns. And I guess oh. my buddy as well. But yeah, oh, he is your buddy. And, and, and you got him a, a present for his wedding. I did. And if you want to know more about Ryan's scuba diving, if you want to know more about what he drank on it, what he was drinking on his <laughs> wedding, if you want to know where he did day by day, like there's Luke, the amount of people that are interested in Ryan Burns' whereabouts is insane to me. Like it's like, kind of creepy. It, it, like, dude, is, is Ryan Burns the local Minnesota? Like, dude, the podcast where Guard and Chip asked him 15 <laughs> minutes about his trip, like, yeah. was absolutely gold because. It was interesting. They were asking questions about their friend, but there was a lot of sarcasm in there too. It was absolutely gold. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you want to learn more about Ryan Burns' work as a football guy and his personal life, jump on over to go for illustrated. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. The recruiting stuff's good, Ryan, as always, it, it'll be fun to watch. And we know things heat up here, um, obviously in the spring. Um, and I know that, I know that high school basketball is obviously in full swing right now, but once guys get into their, uh, AAU season, you, you don't turn up the coverage. You keep it, uh, at, at the same pace. Um, but it, you, you don't stop, right? The the coverage you guys provide at Prep Hoops and Gopher Illustrated is basically 24-7, yep. which would be the site that you guys uh, post on for Gopher Illustrated. Uh, you okay. know, it, it's amazing. It goes along with it pretty well. Yeah, it, go, it goes pretty well. Um, okay, so you mentioned in what, what we uh, affectionately call our pre-production meeting um, that you have a philosophy uh, basketball question you want to ask me, which I am very now curious and have been waiting at bated breath for about 36 minutes for. So if you wouldn't mind, um, what, what, what basketball philosophy thing you want me to answer for you? Well, Luke, you are big into analytics, correct? I like, I do enjoy analytics. Yeah. Okay. So Nate Oates is out here saying that analytics says if you have two fouls in the first half, time shows that you should keep your players on the floor because you not worry about foul trouble because that way you might get to play them more minutes in case they don't foul as opposed to sitting somebody on the bench if they pick up two fouls. And that is relevant because Dawson Garcia, Mm -hmm. okay, he put that absolute, that elbow into Will to Cheddar and Will went shot, went down (laughs) immediately. By the way, kudos to Will. Not only did he take that charge and change the game, like, he went on to the tw- my Twitter and was absolutely hilarious about it. Love Will to Cheddar. He's the best. 
Like you could, and, and, and you knew he went on there, and like you could almost read between the lines. He's like, "Yep, I, I, I sold it." And guess what? It worked out for my team. But yeah, Dawson sat the last nine minutes and a half, and the Gophers, like, they were tied at halftime. And when he went and and they didn't, they're like, up ten. They didn't look, at that point. They're up ten when yeah. he took the charge. Yeah. When Will took the charge? Yeah, when Will took the charge, the Gophers were up twenty to ten, if my memory serves me okay. correctly. And that and, and they started. They, this is this started the like nine eight nine minute slide where the Gophers didn't have a field goal. Right? I don't remember the exact amount yes. of time. It was, but yeah, a friggin' long time. Yeah. Uh, it so, was long. So first of all, the comment on to Cheddar, like first of all, if that's the amount of like contact that's going to take you down. Um, let's just play on right like no foul anywhere um I, i'm not even asking for a flop warning there but i i thought that was a little weak especially as dawson hit him he was still completely vertical and not leaning into the guy so i'm i'm we'll we'll go with that i dawson all dawson and Payne also like to your point earlier have gotten some of the most weird offensive foul calls um the whistle has not benefited them um but to your to your question should you auto bench with two fouls so from an analytics perspective, I'm of the belief um, that depth and available players matters in that question. I think in the in the Dawson Garcia situation, you do not auto bench him because you just don't have enough offense otherwise, and you're you got to be willing to run the risk um, because losing out on those potential productive minutes matters and and frankly one of those two fouls was an offensive foul and the likelihood of you getting two offensive fouls is pretty unlikely and i i just think for the case of dawson like you just have to play him more like you just have no other choice because you just don't have enough other offense um generally speaking though i the analytics would agree with nato it's that you shouldn't auto bench i think it matters more what you have and what you have on your bench now Let's let's think back to the let's think back to the Gopher team, you know, that finished fourth in the Big Ten. You know, Reggie Lynch and Amir Coffey, Nate Mason, Dupree McBrayer, that team. I'd maybe go auto bench in that situation. They had a little bit more offense. Um, if you have a little bit more depth, I think you you can auto bench a little easier. The Gophers just don't have that luxury right now. Uh, uh, here's my thing with this situation. Like when, when it, there's a lot of different philosophies you can take. And one of them that I was taught by Jeremy Miller, who runs D1 Minnesota was that, Hey, every, you, you split it, you divide it by five and they get a foul for every, every, if it's college basketball, it's every eight minutes. Yep. And you know, if you want to go by that philosophy, you bring him back at the four minute mark. And if he gets his third, you don't play him until the 16 minute mark in the second half. Yeah. I don't mind that. No. I don't know that many people do it, but I kind of like it. Yeah. Um, I, I like the three. Now with Dawson, here's my thing. Like, if Dawson picks up his third, you're screwed. And like, even with his second, he was defending Hunter Dickinson early in the second half differently. The touches that Hunter Dickinson were getting with Dawson yeah. playing differently, like worried about fouls, like not as confident with what he's doing because he's got the foul trouble. Like he played it differently. I'm not playing Dawson Garcia in that first half after he gets his second foul unless he needs to be in the game because we are losing the lead. They never lost the lead. Like, and if they did, they gained it back right away. But what I'm saying is whistle to whistle to whistle in the first half, they never lost the lead. Therefore, I think you have, based on Dawson Garcia and what you're seeing from Dawson, 
what you're seeing from the officials and the way they called Dawson Garcia and what you see from Hunter Dickinson and what he's allowed to get away with and what you see from the referees and how they're calling Hunter Dickinson, I don't think you could play Dawson Garcia the rest of that half unless you get down two or four. If you're in the, in the game and you're, you're sticking with the game, you're not losing your lead. I don't think the way that get, the way the Big Ten is officiating the Gophers, the way the Big Ten is officiating Dawson Garcia and Dawson, the way he's playing when he's in foul trouble or weary of foul trouble, I don't think you can play him because yeah. it's, it's it's just shown that it's not going to be there. Are there other situations where you have a different player that's like 30 pounds stronger and the refs are giving him this call, like are giving him more respect with these things and they're playing – you know, Nebraska's big is, excuse me, that doesn't count. Derek Walker gets the same damn call. Um, they're playing, uh, I don't know, Philippe Rebraca. Like, if they're playing him, okay, it's a different situation. In this situation, you cannot just re- use an analytical rule, in my opinion. You have to go by what you know your player, go by what you know you know you have available, which, by the way, is Pharrell Payne, and he should be able to handle this. And you and you know your player, like, with the, what calls are going against him, what player is going against him, and what you're seeing from him. When Dawson gets foul trouble, he plays in the post differently. You also mm-hmm. have to take that into account. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And I think that what I wasn't considering in my argument is if he has to defend you know, someone like a Hunter Dickinson. Um, and I do agree that you know context matters and that players do play differently with certain number of fouls. I think that's a good point. Um, so the more I think about it, I'm not sure. I, I still think I'd probably try to find a way to get Dawson in. I like I do in, I do like your logic. Like as long as you keep the lead, like save him, right? Um, but is momentum is definitely a thing in basketball. And if you're if you feel like the momentum is shifting too much, it might be worth bringing him back. But then you run the risk of momentum shifting even more with the foul. So it. it I, I think the reality is the Gophers have to just maximize what they can and having Dawson not on the floor um, minimizes their window, I think, offensively to score points, and they're already pretty limited. So I think in a way we're kind of agreeing, but we're also kind of disagreeing. I, I do want to bring up one thing, though, um, and we I think we've talked about this before. I, I agree with you that the, the consistency of the whistle in the Big Ten, I feel like over time has gotten worse. Like, oh, it's it's bad. It's really bad right now. And I know that the Gophers are without a doubt the worst team in the Big Ten. But like they're they're definitely not getting any they're they're not getting the same whistle. Right. Like to your point on Hunter Dickinson, to your point on Walker, um, you know, like my goodness, Zach Eady, that dude travels so much like he switches pivot feet all the time. Um, Just just pay attention to his pivot feet he traveled like in the gopher game he traveled on two different occasions that turned into buckets where Pharrell Payne had good good defense because he was walled up right and now Pharrell is a dwarf compared to him and that's exact I shouldn't be saying that but he's much smaller right like he travels a lot and I'm not saying like he does it consistently every time he touches the ball but he does it on two or three times a game where he just flat out switches pivot feet and nobody catches it like drives me yeah. absolutely nuts. He does, but yes, I mean, there's no other thing I can say than yes, he does. Um, Luke, I want to two things off what you said. First, the analytics. Analytics cannot be the rule by which you make all your no, your you can't. By. No, analytics are guidelines. Analytics are good. Analytics work towards letting you know 
trends that you should be doing with your team. There is nothing wrong with that. They cannot be the rule for everything you do. You cannot have a rule where, in a, like, an overall rule, like, two fouls, he's staying. No, yeah. everything has to switch. And it goes by everything you do when it comes to sports. Analytics are good. Analytics are great for teams trending your teams. It cannot be the rule by which things live by in most of your decisions. It can't be because everything is different. And then, Luke, I'm not – I don't – it's not overall officiating in the Big Ten I'm upset with. It's oh. not – certain it's it's one thing and it's the contact around the basket game by game by game by game the gophers are just either unlucky or i don't know if it's ben being a younger coach or if it's their players just not you know getting the same respect but like you cannot have will to cheddar draw charge on what dawson did with his shoulder and then go the other way and give Hunter Dickinson three calls when he does the exact same move with his shoulder. The exact same move. And then Kobe Bufkin got a call with his shoulder. And then I would have lost my mind if they hadn't switched that call with Talon Cooper around the basket. Because that would have been six of those contacts whistled all against Minnesota. Instead, mm-hmm. it was just that was the only one that they gave to him. Like, and it's, it was the same with, with Derek Walker. The, the number two is your magic number. Derek Walker, every gopher's in foul trouble up front. Derek Walker has two points or two fouls, even though he's running everybody over his shoulder. Zed Key, 30 minutes, gets guys in foul trouble, running dudes over their shoulder. He had two fouls. Guess how many fouls Hunter Dickinson had last in this game despite dipping his shoulder all the time? Two fouls. Yeah. Like, it's obnoxious that the gopher pigs are hitting four fouls and their opposition is getting two fouls out of the same contact both ways all the time. It's it's I'm bringing it up consistently in my takeaways after the game because it's playing in effect every single game, yeah. and it's not it's it's not even contact. Yeah. Well, this is what I I think. This is where you and I disagree. I think I think that the officiating in the Big Ten impacts their the the play a ton and it's so different than other leagues and it impacts them in the tournament i think that i think the officiating needs a serious over overhaul like big time like the way they call contact between two halves is often drastically different um yes it is and it it drives me insane like that's not the way games should be played. They're, they're, they're often consistently, too, is like, oh, well, our fouls are unequal between two teams, so we're either going to catch them up or we're never going to call a foul on Wisconsin, right? Like, and now I'm not necessarily <laughs> complaining, but like, my goodness, the consistency, and it's, it's, I'm not just saying this isn't gopher games, it's in all game, all Big Ten games that I watch. It is, it is mind-numbingly frustrating the inconsistency between these uh, between these officials. I sit there with my season ticket holder partner that we we sit next to and watch games. We can call out officials, and we can almost guarantee that, like you know, we can say like, "Well, okay, well, Pharrell's going to get five this game, no question, right?" Or or last year it was like, "Oh, well, Eric Curry is going to have four without question in this situation, right?" Like. It's it's just certain guys, and they have personalities in the way that they officiate. Um, I I don't know, man. I I think it just needs serious overhaul, and the officiating absolutely is a reason that the Big Ten has struggled in the tournament. I'm I'm not going to back down on that. 
You might be right. I, I don't know. I, you, you probably are right. There's something's off with the Big Ten heading into, 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 the, into the NCAA tournament. Now, maybe that's what it is. I, maybe it's the type of game. Maybe it is the way the game is officiated. Whatever the case is, something is off. Um, and there's no doubt about it. Now, we'll really get to see what it's going to be this year because I think one team has defended Zach Eady well all year. One. And, like, if all of a sudden they get to the NCAA tournament and somebody's defending him in a way that nobody in the Big Ten did or could, like, that'll be that'll be tough. The, the Gophers. Yeah, man. Yeah. Frankly, I thought the Gophers did an okay job the second time around. Um, I did, too. I thought that they. I thought they did. I thought the way that they approached it too was pretty pretty smart. I'm curious to see if anybody tries to emulate it. Um, yeah, I. All in all, they they did the best they could. <laughs> Pardon me, they did the best they could. The offensively, they just were abysmal. Like that was a that was just abysmal. They what was crazy in that game too, Ryan, which drove me nuts, is they took it at him and like tried to be aggressive and then got blocked a couple times and they're like, well, you know what? We're not going to try that ever again. And maybe that dude, was they, a smart thing, but I don't know. I don't, dude. Like I was talking to the Purdue Breed writer, Brian Uber before the game, and we were just discussing it. It's like the only way you're probably going to beat Purdue is getting Zach Eady off the floor. Yeah. You know, sure. like the, somebody, one of the college basketball writers, 24 seven sports did a study <clears throat> and they measured every big 10 player about, you know, like what, I don't know what the plus minus truly was like the exact definition of it was, but like, it was basically shows you, you know, who's, who's doing when they're on the floor, how much better their team is, how much better or worse their team is when they're off the floor. Some of it didn't make total sense. Like the best numbers for the Gophers are, uh, uh, Torres Samuels and Joshua Joseph and Jaden Henley. Whereas like the worst one by far was Talon Cooper. Well, that doesn't make sense. Talon Cooper has to play. Like you can't just take him off the floor because he's number said so. Although part of the reason it's so is it's so negative is defensively he's not good. Um, but on the on the flip side, like well, back to where I was point talking about, about with Purdue, like Zach Zach Eady when the Purdue, when he's off the floor, per, he's the the Purdue is good. terrible. Yeah, they're terrible, and like they're terrible. And the Gophers did not take advantage of of the situation when when Eady was getting his rest. The Gophers not only didn't take advantage. They were worse when yeah. he was off the floor than when he was on. Um, but at the same time, like you have to go at him. They tried early, and like I don't, I don't know. Like I, I felt maybe you could, but then the referees have to give you the call. And second, like Zach Eady, like what does he have to do? Like, like he doesn't have to move to defend anybody really no. around the basket. He's just a standard, put his arms in the air, and not even move his feet. And yeah. by doing that, he covers everything. Like he's. After the Gopher game, Luke, after the go before, excuse me, before the Gopher game, Edie had played 17 games, right? Mm -hmm. How many fouls do you think the referees had called on Zach Edie all season through those 17 games? Oh, let's see. Um, I'm going to go 17 by, I'll go 2.6. So 44? 27. Wow. Can you imagine a guy his size playing 30 minutes a game around the basket and having the touches he gets, the amount of shots he takes? Yeah. He is in, in the, no, like 27 fouls in 17 games? Yeah. That's absurd. In, 
I had a I had a minor conniption at that game, like it because he on two different occasions like legitimately switched pivot feet. So I just like stood up and I and I and I basically put my arms up like, what on earth do we have to do? And the guy behind me was or th- yeah, the guy behind me was a Purdue fan, and he goes, you know, you think that's an offensive foul, and it's not. I've watched all their games all year. It's not an offensive foul. I said I didn't complain that it was an offensive foul. He traveled. He legitimately switched pivot feet. And and then the next, I, I think it was like three plays later, exact same thing. And I said, do you think that was a travel? And he's like, oh, you're right. That's a travel. And it, I, it's like, it's like I'm, he, he's thinking that I'm complaining about an offensive follow. I'm not. It's just, it, it, I don't know. It just drove me nuts that game. The, he, he gets away with it, but whatever. He's, he is argue, he's a very good player. I'm not trying to take that away from him, but he travels. Zach Eady travels a lot he gets calls but he's gonna be national college player of the year and he's pretty much big ten's lone hope to make a freaking run for once in big ten tournament so yeah we, we all gotta get behind him well, <laughs> and, and if people remember he was he was recruited heavily by the gophers too right um patino was in on him if they definitely yeah ed conroy if i remember correctly yeah. definitely was going after him or i don't know heavy it was but they definitely went after him i remember contacting him for a story yeah all right well ryan always fun to talk talk college hoops with you you got any parting words before we sign off i don't we've talked for an hour so that's probably enough um uh, me and luke are just gonna try to talk to you guys more as we'll much try. as we can so yeah we, we want to make sure that that rating people keep saying <laughs> nice things and they don't and they don't and they don't say more podcasts because yeah. we do like doing this i think it's is the, who's the guy in Gopher Illustrated who always asks? Yeah, Major, Major Dundee. He, Major Dundee. Yeah, he's actually like tracked me down in person and um, you know asked me to do more. And I and like tonight, it almost didn't happen because you had to charge your AirPods. So, well, and they're about to die, so <laughs> we do have to finish. But Major Dundee is like, is that like Crocodile Dundee? Is that I like the the, Dun, the the Dundee, the former pro wrestler? I have what no idea. He, I have no uh, idea. He's a he's a good dude. Um, I'm, I met him at a couple of tailgates. Um, he's a good dude. He loves go for sports and he flies in for football games if if memory serves. So, yeah, he's a good dude. Um, uh, he flies he flies in for football games. I don't think he lives in Minnesota. Yeah, so he he tries to come to like four or five games a year or three or four games a year. I can't remember the exact number, but like he he would fly in and then fly out. Yeah, that's how much he loves so, to go for football. So dude has cash. So Luke, he needs to get one. He needs to give me a job. All right, I want a job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, always fun to talk, Ryan. Um, thanks everyone for listening and go Gophers. Go Gophers. Like.